Hey, Darren, have you been watching us on uh, the Electric Now app? I have. I haven't recently because I, I, I watch you pretty much every week when we're doing these things. But yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's you know what I love about it's the Electric be, Now app? It's better it's on so video. It's so easy to use. It's, it's, it's better really on video. Easy. Download got, the app and you watch us. That's all there is to it. It's so and, simple. And a lot of other cool stuff, too. You go to the app store. It says Electric Now. You download it. And then it, in press, the United States, press the button and there it is. There it is. And you can choose, you can bookmark it. There's plenty of other movies and TV show to enjoy and episodes of all your favorite electric surge podcasts. So why wait, download the electric now app and start enjoying us anytime. If you're a fan of inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love Trexperts briefing room, a Trexperts new series. Briefing room. What is that? I was about to explain. Then you interrupted oh, me. I'm it sorry. Is, it's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind the scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you <laughs> can find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman from Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a James Bond fan, you want to pick up my new book, Nobody Does It Better, the complete uncensored oral history of James Bond and Spy Mania. It's a hefty tome and it's available now wherever you purchase books, audiobooks, and digital. Check it out. And I will renew your license to kill personally. Welcome back to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we explore interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steven Scarlatta. How you doing today, Josh? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, beautiful. Uh, and we are excited to be joined by Mr. Rob Schraub today. Hello! To be talking about many things, but uh, building up to and mostly talking about the unproduced uh, feature adaptation of his famous unproduced pilot, Heat Vision and Jack. Um, if you don't know Rob, uh, I mean, you've certainly seen many of the things that he has worked on. He is the creator of Scud, the Disposable Assassin comic book, the co creator of the Sarah Silverman program, uh, Channel 101. I see that considered it's a festival, I see it listed yeah. as. Is yes, that what yeah. you consider it? It's a monthly festival. I mean, it, it, it's rather than treat it as a film festival, we treat it as a little mini television network. Uh, the audience goes once a month to uh, the Downtown Independent where like amateur filmmakers, editors, makeup artists, actors show like these five minute mini television shows, or if it's the first episode of pilot where we pitch it to the audience, the audience votes on all of the, uh, which ones they like. We show like 12, the top five, 
get voted back to do another episode the following month. And you keep on doing that until you don't get the votes and you get canceled. So it's a franchise machine. It's an episode maker. It's a, a, the thing to kind of put a fire under your ass and, and get something done because of the competition and the, and the monthly deadline. If you're anything like me, you need a deadline or you don't you get anything done. <laughs> uh rob is a writer director you've worked on oh i mean endless community <laughs> children's hospital the new uh shutter creep show anthology mm. which is quite fun you're currently on rick and morty uh what else did i say co-creator of the sarah, Sil sarah silverman program you sure did but say it again say it again co-creator yeah. <laughs> of the sarah silverman program yeah um yeah, well, I guess an easy way to start off. Uh, I've known you uh, for a while, but I don't really know your origin story other than I'm from Minnesota, you're from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, how did you, what is your origin story? And I, this is a nice way to segue into, I do know that the adaptation, attempted adaptation of Scud right. is what brought you from Wisconsin out to LA. But what yeah. was going on in Wisconsin? Well, in Wisconsin, I met, uh, I was doing stand-up, and by doing it, I wasn't getting paid for it. No one asked me <laughs> to do it, especially the audience I was doing it in front of. And uh, I met Dan Harmon there. I was 21. He was 19. We were both doing Star Wars and uh, Star Trek uh, reference humor. We thought it was really funny. We kind of glommed on to each other. We were both young nerds. What city uh, was this? This was Milwaukee. 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 And then we started doing improv workshops at Comedy Sports, which I don't know. It's a franchise that I think is still around, uh, but it was like competitive improvisation. And uh, we we met there. We worked there for three years. And on the side, I was I just graduated art school and I wasn't doing much with art. I always dreamt about having my own comic book in high school. And I kind of said at age 23, I said, well, I always wanted to do this. Let's do this. And I wasn't so much a comic book fan, but I was an animation fan and <clears throat> huge, 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 big uh, action, especially Hong Kong, Jackie Chan, John Woo. And uh, that's when I was getting bootlegs of VHS uh, John Woo movies back in, this was like 92, 93. Uh, started the comic book on my kitchen table, uh, started independently publishing it. You were publishing and, it yourself? Yes. Yeah. I, I worked with a partner, partner Peter Alberts, and uh, like around the fourth issue, I hired Dan. I said, Dan, do you want to co-write with uh, me? And we started writing uh, books together, and that was kind of like the beginning of us as a writing team. And we would go to comic book conventions and stuff. And and this was during the time when, you know, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just, you know, got, is, is about to turn into a movie or, or uh, you know, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac uh, creator just did Invader Zim. Like everybody was like, who's going to be the next independent comic book that's going to explode or, or whatever. And a lot of uh, the tick, the tick. I was going to say, that was, that was my introduction to the concept of independent comics. Right. Because I love the tick and I would always be like, why isn't there a new issue? Right. But right. slowly right. learning because uh, he doesn't have a boss and he just does it whenever he wants. Exactly. And that was very much like how we were doing it. The biggest complaint is how come this isn't coming out regularly. 
And it was because, well, it's just me. You know, it's just me <laughs> drawing and writing and doing everything. And uh, it's just me. But like during that time, especially after Tick got its own series, people were like going, oh, Scud's next. Scud's the next one, uh, which we were very excited about. Uh, and we had, uh, you know, like a guy, a, a lawyer come to us and goes, hey, you should pitch this. This would be a, a great movie. And and they said, well, you know, fly out to Los Angeles and start pitching it. And so we pitched it around. We pitched it to a, a bunch of different – we pitched it to uh, Tony Scott's company, pitched it to Ivan Reitman's company, pitched it to uh, – who else did we pitch it to? Well, ultimately, we pitched it to Oliver Stone's company. Wait, do you remember – do you remember the pitch now all these years later? Not the full – length one but i'm always curious people's because you hadn't pitched anything before well no and nobody tells you that yeah. that's what you do and they go uh you know like uh caa was like oh we set you up with all these meetings just go there and then and you'd sit down and you go oh and you find out they haven't read the book they don't know who you are <laughs> whatever and you're just kind of sitting in there and they're like going so what's the movie and i go well it's the book as a movie <laughs> what 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 you know like and then and then and then you learn under fire what it is and then they and, and the the idea was i just pitched the first issue i said well this is scud the disposable assassin in the future uh disposable assassins are sold out of vending machines as easily as candy bars and cigarettes and uh you can program them to assassinate anybody you want uh, uh and once they've completed their mission they self-destruct except our Scud, our main character Scud, finds out there's a sign on his back that says, uh, attention, Scud the disposable uh, assassin robot will self-destruct upon termination of target. And this robot becomes self-aware, does not want to die, so he mortally wounds his target, uh, puts it in the hospital, and becomes a freelance assassin to pay for the hospital bills. <laughs> and that's the series. So, and then... So we were kind of pitching that as like almost like act one. And then the rest of the movie would kind of be a version of what it, you know, ultimately came to be. But back then we didn't know story structure. We didn't really understand how movies were made, uh, but we wanted to, we wanted to learn very fast. And we were told very early, well, we weren't told very early, as early as we should have been or hope uh because we moved here because we was like oh yeah they optioned the movie they're gonna make it so we better move to los angeles so we took all of our stuff sold our things and moved to los angeles and they were like what you you moved here why to help out make the movie and then like and you know like you i've had stuff since then like optioned and you kind of like oh, well yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it goes it goes it doesn't it doesn't more often than not it doesn't i certainly now wouldn't move across country just because i optioned something <laughs> did they hire but, you guys to write it no the feature no 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 we we assumed they wanted the creator this was oliver stone's company yeah and then eventually they said you know no you're a comic book writer we get a screenplay a screenwriter to write it and we were really disappointed. And of course, everything they sent to us, uh, we hated because um, Dan described it. It's not half bad, but the half that's good is ours. Uh, and, uh, and, and I look back and I go, yeah, it was kind of true. I really didn't like what, uh, what was coming. They didn't really get what made 
scud of fun and interesting and cool. And it it, it was something that was he very... was going to be like a guy in a like robot suit, like. Well, I, I, it, I said, no, it needs to be animated. It has okay. to be animated. I wanted it to be like, because I went with Oliver Stone's company because they just did Natural Born Killers. And it was like, oh, here's this pop culture reference vomit that has got animation. And I loved all, you know, liquid television was huge. I wanted it to be kind of like, oh, an animated feature length Eon Flux uh, animated, not the, the live action movie that came out and was not that great. But uh, the the idea of, uh, I, I was like going adult animation, feature animation is around the corner. Let's be, be the first Americans to do it because Japan is kicking our ass. They're having all these great things over here. Like it's, it, it's just a matter of time. Of course, I was completely wrong. Uh, I think like Titan AE came out attempting to do that and bombed incredibly. By the uh, way, I don't remember what year Titan A was, but you know, it's been over 20 years since that movie came out. And I feel like you still can't pitch like a kind of no. uh, aged up semi-serious, like anything involving outer space animated movie. Cause they always just like, well, Titan AE. Uh, uh, Treasure <laughs> Planet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, that was double thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. Treasure Planet. I believe it's on like the top biggest bombs of all time. Also, right, right, the right. Double whammy of those two movies. Yeah, killed, and it's it, it, it forever. Somebody will do it. Somebody will <laughs> go fuck it, and you know, uh, and and it'll be great, and then we'll see a million of them. But, but you did get a. Uh, a video game out of the Sega. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 uh the Sega Saturn uh came out and we did a video game of it and uh a month later the Sega Saturn platform tanked. <laughs> <laughs> and and this was like within the first month of moving out to Los Angeles we found out no you're not going to write it and your video game tanked and uh we are living in a house that we cannot afford. And the only way we can afford it is if Schraub is writing and drawing 24 hours a day, uh, making comic books. And I was losing my mind and going crazy. And uh, eventually, uh, Dan and I were like, why can't we write the Scud movie? Why can't we write the Scud movie? And we kept being told, well, you're not a screenwriter. And we go, well, how do you become a screenwriter? And they said, well, you write a, a movie on spec. And if people like it, they hire you as a screenwriter. They give you your time. <laughs> so I was like, well, let's write a script. Let's write a script together. And, uh, and Dan got all like the book, Save the Cat, you know, like all this stuff. It, it really studied hard Joseph Campbell. And that was kind of the beginnings of him understanding story structure as well as he does. Like all that stuff leads back to like the Joseph Campbell books that he was reading just to become a screenwriter so we could fucking write this thing. So... Uh, I was like trying to think like, okay, well, Men in Black just came out. Independence Day just came out. Um, they, we just had Jurassic Park. CG stuff is taking over. It seems like we're getting like all these 50 movies bumped up to like contemporary technology. I think the next thing is going to be Giant Insects. <laughs> and so we wrote a comedic version of them. It was called Big Ant Movie, BAM for short. And uh, it was big and wild and crazy and funny and cool. And it, 
I, I've read it recently and I go, this ain't half bad. You know, this is, uh, this is fun. It's got a lot of crazy stuff. It was just big, 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 big. And we had it, um, sitting in our laps you know, like, okay, now what do you do with it? Now you got a spec. Now what do you do with it? And it turns out that one of the writers that was up for writing the Scud movie, Teddy Tenenbaum, uh, and name. he, a great name, you know, and I'm Rob Schraub. So Teddy Tenenbaum, uh, Teddy Tenenbaum was up for writing the Scud movie, became a fan of Scud while researching it, didn't get the job, but reached out to us when he heard like, oh, I heard you guys moved to Los Angeles reading your, your work. It's obvious you want to get into film. I want to get into comic books, want to go out for a drink and maybe we could exchange, you know, ideas and help each other out. And, and we went out for a drink and, and he said, well, yeah, I want to get into a comic book. And I said, well, if you want to get into comic books, pick, give me a script. I'll get you a writer or I'll get you an artist to do the book and we'll publish, we'll publish like a, a single issue. Cause I had like this scud uh, spinoff called tales from the vending machine which was the same concept as the uh, buying a disposable assassin out of a vending machine, but it was different scuds. Uh, at the end of every issue, it would blow up, but it would go on in a mission and it would, it, it would do, do this. So he, he wrote a story. I got an artist and, and we put it out. And that was like, I believe either, I think it might've been Tales from the Vending Machine two or three or something like that. And in exchange, he took Big Bant Ant movie and read it and said, yeah, I'll give you some notes. Yeah, let you know what I think. And like, he read the whole thing and called us up right away and said, this is awesome. I really think this is super funny. I think it's great. Mind if I hand it off to uh, this woman who was named, uh, uh, this woman Blair, uh, she used to work for Oliver Stone's company. Now she's an agent. Do you mind if I hand it off to her? Because uh, she's looking for new scripts. She got the script, read it, liked it, never said anything about it, but had it in her briefcase or whatever. And she was meeting with new studios all over the place and met with Illusion Entertainment, which was Robert Zemeckis's company. And Robert Zemeckis's company was like going, yeah, well, huh. We would, you know, what we're looking for is like, do you have any writers that can do anything with like insects or something <laughs> like that? And she was like, well, I got this script called Big Ant Movie by these new writers and I like their comic book. You want to take a look? And she left it with them. And within a week, and I think Dan and I, we actually went back home to visit because we were homesick because we were going through major culture shock from Los Angeles. So where are you uh, living in Los Angeles? I'm always fascinated by Korea, Koreatown. Koreatown, yeah, K-Town. Koreatown, right off of uh, Wilshire. Wilshire and uh, uh, Wilshire and Wilton or something like that. Something like that. But LA's so big. I always think it's interesting when people just up and move and have no idea where you they never should know. be located, and everyone just winds up in the same cheap spots. Yeah, yeah. The only cool thing about living there is that we were very close to the New Beverly Theater, which was of such a, a wonderful thing to just kind of like coming from Milwaukee where, you know, we, we, you don't really get like that kind of retro film kind of stuff. I mean, we got a lot of art house stuff, 
but not like throwbacks and things. And we would just like get in the car and go, oh, I don't know what they're going to play, but it's going to be cool. And we'd get there and we would watch all these crazy things. It was really, really fun. But like we were home and for some reason she got a hold of Dan. And this is before cell phones or anything. Got a hold of where Dan was staying. We were staying at his old roommate's place. And we were like stoned or drunk or whatever, <laughs> sitting on the couch a couch and he was on the phone and all I'm hearing is like, yeah, yeah, that's ours. Okay. Oh, Oh, I'm glad you, you liked it. Really? Okay. All right. Um, well, thank you for calling. This is really great. Well, yeah, we'll be back next week and let's talk it over. And he hangs up the phone and he's like, Robert Zemeckis wants to meet us. <laughs> like what? What the fuck? What it really? And then so and so, you know, we went back and we uh talked to them and they loved the Big Ant movie and they said, Hey, look, you know, um do you have any other ideas? And they and 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 uh well actually we met with Blair and she says and she was the first one to say, This is what a pitch is. Go in there with a bunch of ideas, they're gonna wanna hear what you wanna do, just be really um like excited enthusiastic and they're gonna love you and so we i'm always i still am like a big believer of when in doubt overcompensate so we came up with like 12 pitches that ranged from uh yeah a, a, a guy gets zapped into a dungeons and dragons game to uh, a, a mummy cowboy versus aliens from outer space and just really weird wacky Wait, is the mummy one rot gut we yes, saw that title it was somewhere. rot gut and that was all of the and that was the one we were leading with we were like <laughs> i'll do all this art i'll do all of this art i'll just like jam pack it with all this art and make a pitch deck and a deck and we'll and dan we'll, and and i came up we at, we're going to act out the whole movie we go in there and we pitched our brains out pitched like all of them. They're like, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. And we pitched rot gut, which we were like, okay, this is the one, this is the one. And, uh, pitched it. And they were like, okay, all right. That's interesting. What else you got? And then, uh, and then I was like, okay, uh, we got this one idea. It's not that, that great, but I mean, well, it's not as developed as rot gut, but it's called monster house, the house, is a monster. And I pitched it just like that. And we said, well, it's kind of like an old school Amblin film. A bunch of kids are trick or treating. And uh, the, the the old man who's like, get off my lawn, get off my lawn, has a heart attack one day yelling at him. And the ghost of that man inhabits the house. And it's these kids on Halloween versus this monster house that is eating the neighbors and stuff like that. And it was like pretty much that it, that was it. And then we started like launching into, you know, come up with something else. I mean, we gotta, we're losing them. We're losing them, pitching, pitching something else. And like halfway through the other one, uh, the executive said, can we stop? Can we go back to talking about Monster House again? And then we were, we just started talking about, and we can't, we love, that one sounds really interesting, you know, like old school. And we were, this was like 1998 or whatever. So before like, Stranger Things and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it was a new thing to rip off Spielberg. Uh, so, uh, you know, we went, we left the meeting thinking, it was, oh, that was okay, that was all right. Uh, hopefully they seem to like us. I don't know, what's a good meeting feel like? Because up until then, we've only known 
you're not good enough to write anything. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, like that afternoon, uh, Blair calls up and says they want to do a two-picture deal. They want Monster House and sign you up to a another film. And we were like, holy shit, this is it. And uh, and we and and that was our very very first uh, that was our very first paid gig as writers and uh, it was uh, that was around 1998. How did you come up with the concept of Monster House? Like okay, you... okay, so so um, we at what we were approached by Stan Winston Studios at one point, and they said, "Hey, do you got any monster ideas?" and uh, I said, well, let me think about it. And then I was pitching like all my dumb Shrap Monster ideas. And I remember walking out of our house on Norton in Los Angeles, turning around and looking back at it and just seeing a face in the house. And I was like, oh, Monster House. That would be cool. Because Monster House, Monster House originally was written to be a live action film. And I was like, oh, this they would love it. You make giant eyeballs and teeth and stuff. And here's the thing. Okay, here's and we're gonna we can we can come back to this or or if you want to really talk about like what was in the script that wasn't in the movie. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so think about Monster House written as a live action movie, and we wanted like it to be like Goonies versus like this giant like animatronic house, you know, we wanted it to be like arr, moving around. And this is all before like CG was really perfected. Uh, unless you were Spielberg, it wasn't really going to happen. We loved the idea of like the house getting up out of the ground, like Godzilla and knocking over shit. And um, we really loved the idea of that. Like at one point I, I, there was like a, a stove that would come out of its mouth and it would breathe fire. Like we really were leading into the kaiju of it all. We thought it would be really fun. You know, yeah, let's get a guy in a suit and have him walking around <laughs> in a costume. I thought that would be really, really great and fun. Uh, and uh, the thing that I really liked about the idea is like, if any, if everybody has seen it and remember the movie, like there's the point where they take cough syrup they put the house to sleep, they go inside, and they're wearing like all this kind of, I don't remember the movie, I've only seen it once. I've only, uh, <laughs> they're wearing like all this, like they're wearing like, okay, well, this is what happened. So, so in the script, the inside of the house was all biological, like the walls were skin with vein wallpaper the eyeballs had like you know like cords off of it it was everything was slimy and goopy and ghostbustery and and poltergeisty like the living room was a living room the kitchen was like a stomach swirling pool that would go into the intestines which would turn into like the uh the plumbing system that would go into the basement and uh uh the the bedroom upstairs had a giant brain in it and there was like uh, all this stuff that i was like ah oh, that's gonna be so cool to see they're finally making it into a movie it's gonna be great and i thought that would be really really fun to see live action and we wrote it in 1998 everybody really really liked it uh we even got a letter from spielberg saying this script 
is really fun. The characters are great, especially the character of Jenny. She's really, really funny. We really like her. Unfortunately, the third act, uh, we don't think we have the technology to realize it, and it's just going to not work. So either we need to redefine the new, redo the third act, or just put this thing on the shelf. And we kept trying to kind of come up with something, but it, I'm like going, but this is Monster House. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if this thing does not get out of, get up out of the ground, it's just a haunted house. And it's just not very threatening if it's just like a, a guy, a, you know, a guy buried in the, in, in, in the front lawn that can't grab you or get up and get you. I mean, like, what's the, the escalating threat? So Monster House sat on the shelf, had a couple false starts, um, sat on the shelf until like 2005, and we thought it was done, it was over with, you know, and this was after, okay, that tanked, we did Heat Vision and Jack, wrote that, shot that, it didn't get picked up, so we were like, scud, you know, everything, so we were like three for three, and eventually we were starting to put our lives back together again when we got the Sarah Silverman program. And during that, uh, we get a call from Zemeckis' company and said, hey, we're doing, uh, we're doing Monster House. Come and meet the director. And I was like, the director? Okay. And so we meet there, and it's the director is like this young kid, younger than me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, first, first time director. Uh, uh, anyway. Sound bitter, Rob. <laughs> no, 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 not bitter at all. No, no, no. He's a fine. He's a fun guy. He's he's all right. Okay. But they, it, it was like, oh, you, it, it, and we came there, and they had a whole animatic and production art and stuff like that, and this was all happening during the time. Had Polar Express already come out? Okay, so here's the Polar ah. Express connection. So. Zemeckis' company, Illusion Entertainment, this is what I was told. Zemeckis' company had, uh, had got, did a lot of research and thought the mocap technology is going to be, this is going to be the new way of making movies. So they invested so much money into this technology. And they said, let's go for it with Polar Express. We got Tom Hanks playing all different versions of him, and it's going to be great. Movie comes out, and people are like, ugh. <laughs> Zombie paint. This is unsettling. Why is it moving? Why is it 95% human? That 5% is a lot. Uh, oh, it's making me disturbed. Terrifying. It was on TV not that long ago. Movie doesn't do as well as they. Movie doesn't do as well as they uh, thought it would. I was told that um, in order to write that movie off as a loss, they have to say that was research. And in order to do that, they have to have a slew of other movies pushed through the mocap system. And they got a director that, uh, that they really wanted to work with and they said, here's a bunch of scripts that we have. What do you think? He chose Monster House. And he was smart. He was like, instead of trying to do it like photo real, he wanted to go more of like a, a cartoony way, which I think is, is the yeah. best way to kind of use it. 
And that I think that's why it's much better than yeah. Polar Express. Yeah, it's that uncanny valley thing, you know. Like if hey, you know, if you're it's just a, l- a little bit off, that a little bit is 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 quite substantial. But if, if you do it in more of like this purposely uh, uh, animated style, you get a lot more. Um, you get a, get a lot more uh, embracement from the audience. So. Uh, so they pushed it through, and we were the first mocap thing after Polar Express. So it was like going from, like, we never even, even thought of the possibility of it being animated. But it was like, it's like I was telling you before about, like, Harmon, you know, being able to fall into all these mm-hmm. uh, really uh, uh, exceptional, like, lucky things. And, and this was just one of those things. And it, that, what I would say to anybody out there that's like a writer that is, uh, oh, I, I pitched this thing, I wrote this script, they seemed to like it, and it just didn't go anywhere, and it sat on the shelf. I mean, Monster House sat on the shelf for about eight years, it seems like. Maybe, you know, more like seven years or something like that. But uh, it eventually got made, and we had no idea. And it was nothing to do with us pushing it through. It was just people liked the concept. It was a simple concept. The thing that I always go for is like the the title is the is the pitch is the tone. Monster house. It's a the house is a monster. You know what the tone is. You kind of know what uh, what you're getting into with a, a movie called Monster House. So uh, that 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 was like. Like our first big, big thing. The first thing that really punched through, and the second thing was the Sarah Silverman program. So that was, and that was like, we went through, like I said, we went through Scud didn't go, Monster House didn't go, Heat Vision and Jack go, didn't go. And then for two years, Dan and I didn't really work. We got little jobs here and there, a couple of uh, things that would go, but not quite. And we were really shit what are we going to do that was kind of the creation of channel 101 too because we were just like we keep pitching 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 we keep writing 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 but nothing is going through we're sick of this you know we got these mini dv cameras why don't we just start shooting little things to make ourselves laugh and that was the beginning of channel 101 and we noticed that there was a lot of friends that felt the same way who were actors that never got a chance to be in front of camera directors that were like i just want to tell stories and so we created this community to kind of get it, get it going. And uh, Sarah Silverman saw Heat Vision and Jack and really liked how Dan and I wrote, but she saw what I was doing at Channel 101 as a director. And then she said, I want this guy to direct the pilot and had a lot of opposition from, from Comedy Central. It's like, why do you want this guy? You could get anybody. And she says, because I can get anybody, I want this guy. So, <laughs> and so I owe her a lot for backing me up and Dan for convincing her to back me up too. Because that was my very first paid uh, directing gig. And it started me off, it was the beginning of me as, as a director, writer. And it, it, it was, it, so the thing, the thing that I have come to realize in this business is that you're your 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 career is not a rocket ship it's not like light a fuse and you're just going to go up 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 it's a roller coaster it goes up and down and up and down and the only way that ride ends is if you get off so just just because you're going down doesn't mean 
you're you're not you're only a call away from somebody who says, "Oh, you know that script you did? We're gonna make it." You know, it, it's it's totally possible. So, you know, and that's uh, that's the, that's the, that's the kind of like the thing that gives me hope about this business um, is hone your craft, do good work, and it will pay off. It's it's not a waste of time just to write something, and even if it doesn't get picked up, it's going to make you a better writer, better director, better better something and all of those and and it might come back it might come back it really it really might come back i mean like which probably leads us to well i was gonna say when we get off this uh zoom i'm expecting you to be like hey i have a call from oliver stone oh my God. good that ain't gonna happen <laughs> oh, before before heat vision i have in 1998 you had a concept called black octopus was that one of the things you also pitched during the yeah, rock guts there was a, a spin-off of scud the disposable assassin it was uh one of the female leads a younger version of her as a cat burglar um and it was kind of like a buffy the vampire slayer in the scud universe but she's like a cat burglar, kind of like a female danger diabolic, if you know that uh, mm -hmm. uh, that movie, which I was obsessed with at the time. Is uh, that Baba? Baba. Yeah. Did you do the movie? Yeah. yeah. Great soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack and uh, a amazing looking movie too. Super, super wild and fun and the best of, of what he, he does. Uh, so yeah. Uh, wanted to kind of do that. Did a couple of like one-off little issue uh, stories in the book, but it just kind of it was like anything, you know. Kind of uh, like Zemeckis's company was interested in doing that as an animated series, but it kind of again, you know, like the Titan E curse, like an adult animated thing. Eh, they just they're afraid to pull the trigger on that. And with Scud, did that just like? Fizz, like was there did that definitively die at some point or did it just kind of slowly fizzle out and you realize they're just not going to make it well here's the thing uh we got option for an 18 month option they had 18 months to do something with it they hired a writer they wrote this script we hated it we tried to give notes we were told shut up or be <laughs> off the off the project because we were just like going this is a disaster what are you people doing this is like we didn't really have any tact when it comes to it but we were just like back then we were like going no this is our ticket this is our ticket we have to hold on as tight as possible that's another thing i would say uh uh to anybody young going out there it's like don't hold on so tight at least not at first <laughs> get on set and then start maybe holding on tight but yeah, you, you try to play ball a little bit. But I do look back at, at what they were trying to do with it because they were uh, teaming up with uh, the produ another production company, the people that did Judge Dredd, the Stallone Judge Dredd. Uh, and they were like, oh, we're going to make this a tentpole movie. It's going to be big. And we were kind of like going, yeah, but Judge Dredd, that was a terrible movie, right? You guys know that problem, right? And they were like, no, no, no. And they were like going, yeah, well, we want, we, we think like, we don't think Scud needs to look like a robot. You know, we're, we're thinking like Scud could be played by anybody from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Jim Carrey. And we were just like going, holy shit, this is going to be awful. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. And, uh, and then the script came back and we we're like, this is really, really not, not, 
great. This is really, really not happy with it. So um, the option ran out and they came to me and they were like, going, okay, well, we're ready to re-option this. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, not going to re-option. I'm just going to, I'm going to just hang on to it. And I'm still hanging on to it. <laughs> but, but I mean, I've been approached many, many times, you know, like MTV wanted to do uh, an animated series uh, like about 10 years ago. Um, they were like, oh, we're looking for a new Eon Flux. We want to kind of, this is, I believe they were trying to at one point relaunch or reboot Liquid Television. And, and they were kind of like, this is before that, but I think they wanted to do more of something like that. And I, that was actually the closest that Scott ever got to uh, being realized beyond just a comic book. And uh, I, I, I wrote a, a pilot. Uh, I thought it turned out, you know, pretty good. It was like me writing it. Um, they wouldn't let me direct it. Which again, I'm like, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> Shit, I'm already directing. Why can't I? Uh, all right, well, you're not an animation director. Uh, well, whatever. And uh, so um, we were casting. We, we had everybody from Kirkwood Smith reading for bad guys to, you know, we had like so many like really, really cool people coming in to read for it. I had Dan read for a bunch of characters and, and it, it was, uh, it was looking good. And then at one point somebody said, you know, we never really got the green light to do this. So why don't we just, we'll put a pin in this for now. <laughs> And then on, uh, we'll we'll get that, and we'll get the go ahead, and then on Monday we'll start off. We'll start from we'll, we'll we'll continue. Anyway, Monday comes and goes, a couple of times because it was a month later, and then they come back and they go, yeah, they're not interested in animation anymore. MTV wants to concentrate on reality television, and it was done. It was done. And uh, I've been as as recently as this year, people have come to me and said, "Hey, we want to do a Scud TV series, Scud movie, Scud whatever." And it's interesting now, looking back at how desperate I was during the Oliver Stone days, and how now where I'm like, I'll be talking to these people, and I'm like, "Okay, what are you bringing to the table?" Other than, wouldn't it be great if Scud was made into a TV series or movie? Okay, what do you got? Do you got money? Do you got an animation studio? Do you got, like, a name? No, you're just a person that thinks Scud should be made into a movie? Well, get in line. I mean, you have to come to me with something, you know? I mean, yeah. But then, you know, the, the thing is, is like, and I don't know, you, you guys are probably familiar with this. They go, yeah. We think Scud should be made into a, a, a TV series or a movie or something like this. We just have a couple of thoughts how to, how to, you know, like you know, adjust it. And I'd be like, okay, what are your adjustments? What well, if he's not an assassin. Yeah, well, yeah, I, well, during during the video game days, they they said, can can we call it Scud the Disposable Superhero? And I was like, but the title is Scud the Disposable Assassin. <laughs> And I go, yeah, well, we're just worried that, you know, like some parents won't like their kids having a, a thing with an assassin on it. And I'm like going, in video games? <laughs> what are you, crazy? But, you know, and so it, 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 it was, it, 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 it's crazy, you know, like how people will come to you with nothing, but also with notes. And you're like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
Great, you want to change that? Okay, but the, the, the funny thing is like, okay, you want to change that villain into not so much a monster, but more, but something else. Well, what would it be? I don't know, just, you know, we could just, you know, develop that more. But what? I mean, I'm all for the better idea, but it sounds like you don't have an idea other than make it different. Yeah. Well. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, have you ever been in that situation? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm holding on to Scud because at the end of the day, I'm not desperate to do it because I've realized it. I think a completely unfiltered version of it is the comic book. I'm very happy with how I completed it. And if it, that's the only way it ex is the only existence for it, I'd be fine with that. Uh, and the technology it, has changed a lot. Yeah. Which, which is great too. I mean, this is a bad example, but a lot of people, you know, the Chappie movie, but it looks good, the robot in that movie, you yeah. know? And then and it's violent and it's like, there's chap not to upset Chappie fans, but yours would be such a better, for me, a better version of that in a way. It, it could, it definitely could be. I honestly would would not want to see a live action Scud movie. I oh, so you're still going animation. Animation, and it should okay. be a TV series because it was made to be a series. This robot, once a month or once a week has to uh, go on, take an assassin job to pay for the hospital bills. So it's set up to be a series. And every time somebody, including myself, has tried to turn it into a encapsulated feature, the, the, the core idea is thrown out the window by, you know, like after page 28. So, the the joy of scud was that world that tone um and you can't really re you, i would love to be able to explore that at a level of like say like rick and morty does i mean i always was like thinking like oh, well the way to do it is like rick and morty meets deadpool and 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 not make it a sitcom like like archer or 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 even rick and morty but make it like an actual dynamic fun action series that is is also funny well i think the success of because uh, i feel like you know in the past 15 or so years we've moved away from kind of episodic tv to really heavily serialized stuff on the streamers so i'm happy that the mandalorian exists and yeah. is a big hit since that's such a throwback to the old like kung fu incredible hulk 70s structure i'm just like yeah. i'm gonna roll into a new town and oh this person needs a help with something and i'll go yeah, kill this monster and then it's on to another planet in the yeah, next yeah, episode that, that's that was like my you know story school is like going oh you need a, a reason the pitch has to have a reason for episodes to exist continually 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 and and the incredible hulk and 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 like the fugitive and all those shows were kind of i grew up with them and so i was like okay well that's what makes good television or good series you know in the comic book i wanted it to be a good series with the always the hopes that it would be you know like a television series of sometimes i never really ever saw it as a, a feature i was like well you know if we can sure i'll take it but i always thought the best version of it was a tv series Speaking of uh, 70s throwback mm. TV, maybe mm. a perfect segue 
into Heat Vision and Jack. Yes. Um, I mean, maybe just talk a bit about the pilot. I feel like it's one of those things everybody knows, but I'm sure that's not true. Uh, I just, that was one of those things where I think back pre-internet, I'm just like, I don't even remember how I saw it. Like, I do think it was that classic old, you know, pre-internet. I mean, the internet did exist at that time, but you know what I mean. But the pre-internet story of just somebody had a VHS tape, and I don't know where they got it. It might have been from me because I, (laughs) after, after the show didn't get picked up, I was just cranking out pirated copies of it and handing them out at conventions and and with it it was like the ring it says please copy this tape you know uh, written like, on are you it. doing this at like scud comic conventions oh, yeah. you mean yeah 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 for sure uh i i wanted it to be seen because back then it was before youtube i thought this is never going to get seen no one is ever going to see this and uh, we worked so hard on it and we really really had a lot of uh, hopes for it, like we did with Scud, like we did with Monster House, but we really this was something that we really thought, oh, this is a guarantee to take off. Uh, and I, okay, so I can tell you, um, I can go through you, the the origin of Heat Vision and Jack if if you want to go in, then we can go into yeah, the move. let's do it. Okay, so around the Monster House uh, era, we just got done. Uh, signing a two-picture deal with Robert Zemeckis. And so our new agent was like going, I, I, we need you, would you be interested in working with this person, with this person, with this person, this person? Because they go, you, now that you've got some street cred, especially a name like Robert Zemeckis, uh, you, we can maybe get you some more work. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And one of the people that we actually pitched Scud to we pitched Scud to at Robert Zemeckis' company, left Robert Zemeckis. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Blah, blah, blah. We pitched Scud to Oliver Stone's company, to this one executive. After, uh, after Scud fell apart, he left, not because of that, but he left Oliver Stone's company and started working with Ben Stiller. And he loved Scud, and he actually really liked us, too. He actually wanted us to write the Scud screenplay. He was sending us Sid Field books and saying, this is how you write a movie. I think you guys are great. I think it would be great if we could get you to do this. And so when he heard that we were in town, we wanted to write, we, wanted, he, we had a meeting with him. And uh, we met with, with him and talked about a bunch of stuff. And uh, they were looking for, I don't know if you know George Saunders at all, but they, he wrote a story, a book called Civil War Land and Bad Decline. Have you ever heard of this book? I know his name, but I don't know It's a really good word. It's, it's, it's kind of like this Civil War Land, uh, one of these shitty uh, Civil War reenactment, but it was like a, a theme park uh, but it was falling apart, so they they hire some guy who's a homeless person to kind of be a actor there. Turns out he's crazy, starts shooting people, and and but people are going, wow, this is very realistic. Or I'm doing a bad job of pitching it, but it becomes more <laughs> popular. It's kind of like a producer's situation, but with a Civil War theme park. Anyway. Uh, they pitched us that. Dan really loved the idea. I was like, oh, sorry. but Dan really loved the idea and just went home and started typing pages and sending them and sending them to this executive. 
And this guy goes, this is great. Can I show these to Ben? Showed it to Ben. Uh, and then like a day or two later, we were meeting with Ben Stiller. Now this is still, we moved at in 1997, early 98 to Los Angeles. And this is like a year later, we just did a deal with Zemeckis. And now we're meeting with Ben Stiller. This is pre something about Mary Ben Stiller. Uh, and, and we were freaking out. We were like, this can't be real. You know, you get like these like delusions of grandeur and, uh, and like, going, wow, this is what we've been waiting for our whole lives. Meet with Stiller. He really loved the pages, wanted to do, um, wanted to have us work on Civil Warland and Bad Decline, but then says, hey, do you have any TV ideas? Um, I'm looking to do something with Jack Black. And we didn't know who Jack Black, we were, we, 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 go, oh, the, he, we recognized him from Mr. Uh, Show or something. Not even Mr. Show. We recognized him from, uh, um, the cable guy movie. Like he's in the cable I guy movie. I still know what you did last summer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and we were like, too. actually, he's really funny. We'd be interested in doing it. And they said, oh, you should see Tenacious D. They're playing tonight. And we went to see Tenacious D. I think it was like the Orpheum or some, some, some weird, weird place that maybe doesn't even exist anymore. Went to see him and go, these guys are awesome. Jack is hilarious or whatever. Anyway, we, we, we went home and talked about it and I go, I would really love to see Jack be like in a Rockford Files show, you know, like driving like a Trans Am, throwing bad guys up against the wall, jumping over the, you know, kind of like, kind of like a Dukes of Hazard, but more, more of a, you know, Beretta kind of a show and kind of a throwback, you know, like that kind of stuff. And we, we actually pitched this to an executive and she was like, can I just stop you there? This is uh, completely unsellable. <laughs> we're like wow this is so expensive and this is not how you use jack black you need to have jack black be in like some kind of a uh, winking eye sitcom where he's like looking at the camera going i guess that's how we're doing it here and we're like ooh, ooh, okay um well i heard you describe uh in something that you felt that there was there was a william shatner like quality to Jack Black, which I'd never thought about. And I'm like, oh, that, I mean, there is that level of commitment to yeah. Yeah. the and moment. That's the, that's the thing that we we watched Tenacious D, we watched um, Never Ending Story Part 3, where he plays the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about and he, that. And he's reacting to, like, these terrible Muppets that are really fake looking, but he's, like, going for it. He's not, like, it's, holy shit, he's scared of that that luck dragon. That is, he thinks <laughs> And then I was kept hearing in my head this woman going, oh, it's too expensive, too expensive. And I'm a huge old school Doctor Who fan. Like, I think it's the best thing that's ever been made. And I always was like, I would love to do a show in that style that is like the special effects are done on purposely bad. You know, where it's like it's bubble wrap aliens, it's... Uh, shitty blue screen, you know, let's, let's just go for it. And if it's a comedy, people will forgive it. And if it's consistent, it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be a part of the joke, you know? And I, and I said, and we'll put Jack in the middle of this because he has that Shatner like commitment and he's like, is really ready to go for it. 
and and Dan thought it was funny, and so we kind of we I kind of came up. I kind of like. What did I do? Well, I, I, I remember like going, I don't have any ideas. I, how am I going to put this together? How am I going to put this together? And I drank like one of those old school like Mountain Dew, just a mountain bottle of Mountain Dew. Like and a two, two liter. Guy. Yeah, a two liter Mountain Dew and two Excedrin, which is like a painkiller, but also it's got caffeine in it. I just chugged the whole thing and I just was like, played music really loud. And I kicked out like this one page outline about like, okay, Jack is actually Jack Austin, who is a astronaut at uh, at NASA in a mix-up, an orbital mix-up. He gets too close to the sun. His brain expands like cookie dough, making him the smartest man on the Earth when he's in front of sunlight. But NASA, want, NASA wants to take his brain out to study, but he wants to run away. So he calls his friend Doug on the phone, who drives his Doug's motorcycle to NASA to pick him up. But in the confusion, he's hit with an experimental ray, and Doug is merged with heat vision, the motorcycle, and Jack is jumped on board, and they take off. And so NASA hires Ron Silver, the actor, not Ron Silver playing an, uh, an assassin, <laughs> but they hire Ron Silver to track him down. And so it would be like The Fugitive meets The Incredible Hulk meets Knight Rider meets Star Trek meets Doctor Who, and it would be all under like this... this uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, like post-ironic show. And this is before Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and the Mike Tyson mysteries and every, and nobody was really doing much throwback stuff. And uh, But we just wanted to write something that we, we wanted to see. We really, really were excited about this idea. And, uh, and I remember like, how are we going to pitch this? How are we going to pitch this? Well, let's just write like the first act or maybe the first scene or whatever and just give people a flavor of what it is and we're working on working on it and the same executive that said the rockford files ideal was completely unsellable calls us up and says and this is on the weekend an executive calls us up on the weekend and says hey i heard you're working on a new idea for jack love to hear it and we pitch it to her and she says guys <laughs> this is complete. This is more unsellable than the last idea. I don't know. I really like you guys. I really love you to do something with Jack, but I wish you. This is not going to work. I wish you guys would just come over to my side. She said that. Come over to my side, not do that, and do something with me. And Dan got. Uh, Dan's very competitive and very uh, like when you say don't do something, he of course wants to not listen to you. And he and he was like, well, we're writers and we love to write, so we're just gonna kind of finish what we're writing if that's okay. Uh, and then uh, hang, get off the phone. He calls me back right away and he's like, okay, we're not gonna write the first scene. We're gonna write the whole thing this weekend and it's going to be the best thing we've ever written and then <laughs> i drove over to his apartment and we cranked it out from saturday to sunday and it was a blast it was just like we were we we're like going okay let's not just be let's try not to be too clever let's just go with the first we were improv guys so let's let's do this let's do this what would they do in six million dollar man what would they do in the incredible Hulk? let's just do what they would do let's just do one of those shows and we just it just flowed out of us so easily and we wrote it and i remember like that night um 
finishing it and when he and was done i i would say D -d read it dan and dan would read it and he would do all the characters and he read it to me on the couch and I, we would laugh and laugh and laugh and i'd go can you read it again and it was like we were like <laughs> loving just the idea of this script existing and going no one's gonna buy this this is ridiculous we we're not gonna get our hearts broken this time uh let's just send it to ben because we promised the executive on Friday or during the weekend that we were going to send it to Ben, uh, give them something. So we sent it to Ben, who is on the set of Mystery Men. And uh, and then we were like, because we stayed up all night, either rereading it or whatever, or we were working on it or or whatever. And then we went to um, what Cafe One Hundred One. Remember, you know, is Cafe oh, yeah. still there? Okay, we went there for breakfast, and we were just like hanging out. And we didn't have cell phones at the time. We had no cell phones and we were like eating and going, well, what do you think? Do you think anybody's going to like it? No, nobody's going to like it. It's we, we enjoyed it too much. No one's going to like it. And who cares? <laughs> we're still working on monster house and we've got this deal with Jim Henson's production company and we're feature writers who gives a shit about TV. And then we both, we go home separately we weren't living together at the time i went to my apartment he went to his apartment and both of us had multiple messages on our answering machines from ben stiller going holy shit i love this this is the next <laughs> thing i'm doing where are you guys call me back please call me back this is so fucking funny i love it 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 i'm telling everybody and then our world exploded like we had uh you know, people were calling us up all over the place. Wow, you guys just hit it out of the park. And then something about Mary came out. Like within like a couple of months, I remember it or something like that. Maybe it was longer than that. But I remember it just like, boom, now Ben Stiller is the biggest com comedian guy on the planet. And we were connected to him. Michael Keaton called us up and said, hey, I read your script. I'd really like to hang out with you guys. Went over to Michael Keaton's house, hung out with Batman for an afternoon and just like going, what is happening? And this is still within like three years of moving out. So we were just like pigs dipped in shit, man. You know, <laughs> and, and the thing is, is like, and, and we, what we didn't know is like things were about to bottom out in a severe way, starting with Heat Vision and Jack. And we're going to pause things right here and pick things up again in part two of our conversation with Rob Schraub about the Heat Vision and Jack movie. Thank you for listening. And you can find us on Twitter at Never Made Film and Instagram at Best Movies Never Made, where we post concept art, script pages, lots of things like that. Also recommend you download the Electric Now app where you can watch video of our podcast and all of the Electric Surge Network podcasts like the 430 movie in English. Glorious Trexperts. Speaking of our network, want to thank Bill Ritter and our producers, Mark A. Altman and Dean Devlin. Until next time, this is Josh Miller and Steve Scarlatta saying, We won't see you at the movies. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.